Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the cinematic masterpiece, The Room, written by, directed and starring Tommy Wiseau. You don't have to have seen The Room to enjoy the podcast, but if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend that you do go and watch it because it's a film that truly has to be seen to be believed. So if you do proceed, just be aware that the plot of the film The Room, not that it's a film that really relies heavily on plot, will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Good evening. It's Mr. Paddy Johnston. Hello. Oh, you get you, you opened with a song. I was going to open with a song, actually, oh, really? re- relevant to this week's film, which is You Are My Rob, You Are My Rob, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been thinking about that all week. <laughs> uh, well, the fact that you haven't opened with that um, makes me want to go, You're tearing me apart, Paddy! <laughs> <laughs> why, Paddy, why? Why, Paddy? <laughs> Oh, could this be the first week where we actually jump straight in with the film chat? Are we, are we going to turn off all the on its head? Shall we just get on with it and then do the whole other guff later? Yeah, because I have some, I have some other things that I want to talk to you about, conspiracy related, obviously. But of course, yeah, of course. Let's get to it. This episode, we're talking about the room, possibly the greatest film of all time. I don't even think you need to say possibly. I think definitely the greatest film of all time. <laughs> yeah, and what um, you had a reason for choosing this, which is that the film The Disaster Artist is coming out later this year. Um, previews and stuff have already been shown. The early reviews um, all indicate that it's a really, really good film. And it's the film of the book by Greg Sestero, I believe it's pronounced. I, I In my head, it's Sestero. But I, th- I believe he pronounces it Sestero. Yeah, I think it's Sestero. Um, which is his chronicling of how he met Tommy Wiseau, who is the director and lead actor and basically every other name on the credits with The Room. Um, and it's a truly amazing book and an amazing story. And the film starring James Franco, Dave Franco and Seth Rogen um, looks really, really good. Have you watched the trailer? I have, yeah. I, I was very worried when um, when I found out that, that James Franco was going to be in it. Because I was like, oh no, oh no, is it going to turn into one of those movies? But um, <laughs> a James Franco film. Yeah, <laughs> is it going to? T- James Franco is in it, so is it going to turn into one of his movies? But it actually, it looks amazing. Um, yeah, I'm really. It looks excited. like it really does justice to the story and yeah. genuinely sort of manages to find a real, a really good comic narrative out of it as well, without having to overdo it or sort of change things too much, which is always the danger. Um, when you're adapting a true story, especially one like that, which is very intricate and not necessarily all that, uh, d- make like doesn't provide you with the kind of linear narrative that makes sense in a film that, you're, especially when you're trying to make funny as well, making a real life story into a funny and accessible film is a difficult task. But it looks like, fingers crossed, they might have pulled it off. Yeah, I'm. I'm based on like the preview screenings and the reception that it's had. Um, like it sounds like it's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm totally excited about seeing it. I'm going to be there on day one to watch that. Yeah, me too. Now I don't 
think I've seen much of James Franco's work, actually. I know who he is probably mostly through the odd sort of meme or this kind of thing that popped up. I think I saw a thing, a post recently where he'd like gotten a selfie with some girl who was being bullied at school to try and help her show that she was cooler than the bullies or something. He seems like he does good things like that. Um, But yeah, I can't think of much that he's been in apart from the film Howl, based on the, the Ginsberg poem. Um, where he's being a beat poet guy, and I'm kind of on the fence about the beats. So, uh, are you on the fence about Beats by Dre as well? <laughs> yes, and about Beat Roots, the <laughs> unpopular, <laughs> venomous, vile, purple salad item. I, I'm not on the fence about Beat Roots. They can get in the bin. In all oh, honesty. good. <laughs> They're awful. <laughs> Although you know what, I've I've come round to mushrooms in my advanced years. Oh, have you? How I do you feel about mushrooms? I still can't handle it. Like I, 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 I understand that people's taste buds change every so often, so I'm, I'm constantly trying new things um, and things that I used to hate and trying them again. And very few of them have come into my. Oh, you know what? They're all right. I, I tolerate mushrooms. Like if there's mushrooms on a pizza, I'm not going to turn down pizza just because it's got mushroom on it. Oh yeah. Um, and like if they're part of a fry up, you got some nice like fried mushrooms. That's all. That's acceptable. But I've always found that acceptable, and my my love oh, okay. for mushrooms has not increased. No, see, I don't want them in everything, but yeah, I've been eating them a lot more fried recently. Like I'm having because I'm trying to have a more protein and less carb heavy diet. I'm eating like for breakfast. I have sausages and mushrooms and eggs, and you know, fry up mushrooms, and they they come out pretty nice. Oh yeah, well that's all right. But I I, I think I think James Franco is is kind of like the mushroom <laughs> of of Hollywood in that you don't want him in everything and you have to be very careful with how you prepare and how you cook him. Um, so and he appears too often as a, a vegetarian substitute for meaty things. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's there as a, as a substitute for other actors too often in a role that he shouldn't necessarily be in. Um, and so, so like he, he's got a very odd um, career path in that he's like he's most known for like silly comedy movies like um like uh, this is the end and um what's the name of the one where they they there's lots of drugs pineapple express and things like oh, that oh yeah um whereas he's also done lots of like much more low sort of low profile films um and then, like, turns up in very strange movies where you wouldn't necessarily expect him. Um, so, like, in The Rise of the Planet of the Apes, for instance. Oh, right. Where he puts in a decent performance. Um, so, yeah, so he's got a very odd career. But I think maybe what he does is he um, he does uh, lots of sort of more silly movies. And then on the side, he does these movies that he cares more about. Um, and I think maybe that the disaster artist falls into the latter category, um, where it seems like he's really put a lot of effort and a lot of passion into the disaster artist. And so I'm really hoping that it all turns out all right and that it's funny and that it's powerful and that it's emotional and that it manages to recreate every scene in the movie that it shows to perfection. Yeah, including the, oh, hi, doggy. Yeah, it... it... <laughs> <laughs> so so shall we shall we start with a little overview of yeah of of the room the room so if, if you haven't seen the room i think you yeah you should go and watch it now obviously but it's it's you've probably heard of it 
as kind of the most famous bad film. You know, these days it's probably, I think, relatively common to sort of semi or fully ironically enjoy watching a bad film or like the it like enjoying bad films as a, is a thing now but i think before the room um it wasn't as much of a mainstream thing it'd be like a film sucks that's it i mean well when did snakes on a plane came out what 2004 5 yeah snakes on a plane was after this i i think like the real maybe the real turning point was troll 2 as well yeah um which was another big um a big bad movie that kind of got a cult following. I've never um, seen it, but I've seen the clip, the famous clip. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bad movie. But like, um, and this is something that I want to bring up later. So please remind me if I forget that there's a difference between movies that are deliberately made to be bad and movies that are made with passion, but that turn out really bad. And there's a different yeah. way to enjoy them. Um, and there's a different sort of like cult following for both of them. Um, and like Troll 2, it gained this following because lots of people saw this ridiculous, awful movie, but saw that there was a lot of passion that went behind making it. And like The Room is just the epitome of that. Um, clearly, like so much went into making this movie that is wrong in every single way that it just makes it such a triumph for the film to watch. Yeah, that's why it's such an amazing film, but also the story of it and the context and how it came to be. And that's why I said that I keep saying that The Disaster Artist is such a great book, because that and The Room together are an incredible story of human delusion. And I just, yeah, I I think that's much more interesting than where people have done it tongue in cheek, like Snakes on a Plane, for example. Yeah, You get that more often with the action films, I suppose, which is like sharknado or mega shark versus giant octopus or yeah so so like one of the movies that we've talked about before on this podcast is um miami connection mm. which which fits perfectly into the room setup where that is a movie that was made with love that ended up being awful and and you'll agree paddy that 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 fits very well with the room it's got that same kind of feel to it it doesn't feel like it's deliberately being bad no. it just happens to be a really really bad film and but- that makes it a hundred times more enjoyable to watch yeah what i really love about miami connection though is it's so it's so unabashedly cheesy as well and like the directors sort of you get the feel that they that they know it's cheesy but they're like i want these guys to be like really good students getting good grades i want them to be in a cool band but i also want them to be ninjas and that's kind of (laughs) the kind of like the idea of throwing just as much cool shit as you want to into a film because you're so excited to be making your film there's something sort of puppy dog-ish about that yeah, yeah. That you know, there's nothing. There's a lot of like kind of inexplicable weird scenes in Miami Connection, but the room just takes that to kind of a whole other level. Like every other scene, there's some bit of inexplicable dialogue or some inexplicable character walks in. Although I have to say, having I think I've seen it about five or six times now, and like the more I watch it, the more it starts to sort of weirdly make sense. And you're like, okay, it's that guy. It's Peter now. He's the psychologist friend who they bring in to prove to you that. Tommy's not crazy or that he's always playing the psychologist you don't need a psychologist or you try and the more you watch it the more you have thoughts that you try and make sense of it but I think at the end you still don't make sense of it because it is a film that doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah there's, there's somewhere deep in Tommy Wiseau's mind there, there there is an explanation for everything that happened in the room but whether that will ever be revealed or if it will even make sense to us mere mortals uh, remains to be seen 
Yeah. Um, so so for, the, for the people who haven't seen The Room, I'd highly recommend that you pause this podcast and go and watch it before we start talking about it because it's something that should not be spoiled. No. Um, you should be able to go into this and just watch it and enjoy it and then come back for the discussion because you will leave this movie <laughs> with your mouth agape, just <laughs> like, oh my God, what did I just watch? Um, I'm, I'm jealous of anyone who hasn't seen it because they get to experience it for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a good judge of character is if you watch The Room and don't enjoy it, I think maybe you might be a reptilian. Yeah. And I think you should go to or the doctor a, and get yourself a vampire. Or a vampire. Like, um, <laughs> in the, um, like uh, they, they, they borrowed a bit from the, the, I remember it from the book of the disaster artist that was in the trailer where he's, he's narrating, describing the character of Johnny. He goes, he's a successful guy. He's a bank guy. Maybe also Johnny is vampire. <laughs> Yeah, because he talks about that, doesn't he, Greg Sestero, <laughs> in the in in the Disaster Artist? That for a while, Tommy Wiseau wanted to put into the film a little plot that that Johnny, his character, was going to be a vampire because yeah. because Tommy Wiseau, like in real life, really loves vampires, and like so he wanted his character to just for some <laughs> random reason in this romantic drama to be a vampire. Um, and it's pre Twilight. So it is pre-Twilight, yeah. So this, you know, this would have created Twilight, in yeah, and been much better than Twilight. So, so the room, um, it is a romantic drama about a man called Johnny, played by Tommy Wiseau, um, who is getting married to the love of his life, Lisa, um, who, unbeknownst to Johnny, is having an affair with Mark, who is. Johnny's best friend, played by Greg Sestero. Um, and so that's basically the plot. But there are tangents everywhere yeah. involving like drug dealing. Um, like what what else happens in this movie? Everybody seems to come into their house and have sex. Yeah. Like, throughout There's always the movie. people kind of inexplicably walking in. It feels like like he, he was perhaps writing a play and then like just got a bit bored and he's like, oh, some, someone else has to walk in now because you can't just have a scene between two people. Like there are so few scenes where it's just a dialogue between two people apart from the sort of seemingly overly long, weird scenes between Lisa and her mum where <laughs> her mum's just talking about all her problems and lecturing Lisa about how Johnny is such a good man and she should marry Johnny for financial security and she's going, well, I don't love him anymore. And then she goes, oh, Everything's going wrong, and I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she goes, uh, she goes, no, you're not dying. And she goes, yep, I got the test back, breast cancer. And Lisa's just like, she just laughs, and then they move on from it. And you're like, what? what the <laughs> yeah, she goes, <laughs> she goes back to talking about how she doesn't love Johnny after finding out that her mum has breast cancer, and the mum doesn't really bring it up again either. It's just kind of there. It's um, yeah. uh, it's one thing of, that yeah, I would highly recommend. Like that way, is go if, nowhere. If if you're going to watch the room, make sure you watch the room and not room because that's a legitimately Ooh. amazing movie. Um, I have read the book of that, but not seen the film. Is it's the it's film really, good? really, it's really, really good. Yeah, it's great. Um, make sure you don't watch that because you know that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the book the is room. fantastic. I think yeah, one of my one of my favorite books of the last ten to fifteen years. Ah, okay, that's really cool. Below the disaster, uh, I, I've not re- I've not read, choose, but I've I've not read uh, the book of of, of room. Um, so so um, so in the room, it opens with a scene where where Johnny, played by Tommy, 
Um, I, I love what he did with with the character names there. By the way, yeah, um, it really it really helps. Wait, but before it opens with the scene, you have all this kind of stock footage of San Francisco just to prove yeah. to you that it's set in it's, San Francisco. It's set in San Francisco, so let's have two minutes of of shots of San Francisco. And the just music so you know. is fucking weird. It's like um, <laughs> it's like some kind of King Arthur music. Yeah, it like, is. It's I a closed really my epic eyes while, I, movie. while it was happening and tried to imagine like if I didn't know what kind of film it was. And the first thing that came to me was like um, that TV show Merlin. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just like, this is this is some King Arthur shit right here. If, like, if why feel... would you have that music in a romantic drama? It just makes no sense. It feels like something out of Conan the Barbarian or Red Sonja as well. Like you're expecting Arnold Schwarzenegger riding a horse to be running across a plane. Yeah. To to that music. Uh, the music was made by what was his name? Um, he had a brilliant name. The person who did all of the music. I made a note of it, but I there was there were two of them, weren't there? Because as well as all that, there's also the kind of R and B sex music that goes along with it <laughs> yes. as well, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so so there's two kinds of music in in uh, in this movie. There's uh, there's there's the epic fantasy music. The sort of like very dramatic piano led um, score. Um, by Miladin Milicevic was his name. name. And I was like, that guy, that guy's going places. Um, and, th- and then there's um, the really bad, sleazy 80s pop music that turns up like every single time. Um, the, uh, uh, yeah, every single time that there's a sex scene. And, and, is is there five sex scenes in this movie? Not counting the the one on the couch with me underwears. I think there's four. I think yeah, that that counts as maybe a half. So I think you're looking at four and a half because there's the very long one with Johnny, at, which comes about five to ten minutes into the film. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's it's literally after the first scene of the film, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's... and then there's a shorter one with Johnny, and then there's another one with Mark. And then is there a second one with Mark? There's a second one with Mark as well, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a short one with Mark and then a long one with Mark later on. But the music gets progressively worse as the scenes go along. They do. So, like, the, the initial one has, like, um, a sort of, like, power ballad to it. And it's like, I will stand in the way of a bullet. It's hilarious. The lyrics just make me cry with laughter every time. The idea that you have to have a song with lyrics this like actually quite pornographic sex scene i mean they're genuinely in the nude yeah they're in the nude you get to see tommy wiseau's body which looks entirely wrong it looks like someone's melted a an action figure so he's got all of those weird proportions of like a 90s comic book character but in real life and like he's gyrating his bum and you're like i did not need to see this um, yeah. And to and to make it even worse, like you've got this score in the background of all these lyrics, but then they've still got like the softcore porn sounds of the people having the sex scene going like, yeah. oh, oh, that kind of stuff. And it's just so uncomfortable to watch. There's it's... lots of heavy breathing dubbed over the top of it. Yeah. And like aggressively loud as well. It's terrible. And it's the same with all of the sex scenes. But yeah, the dubbing is an important aspect of it because I think something like 80% of the dialogue is dubbed over because what happened? Did they lose some of the audio or he just decided that all the lines were wrong or something? (laughs) I think it was a mixture of the two, wasn't it? So a lot lot of the time you can see like it, it doesn't even link up with what his lips are doing. 
Uh, oh, it's great. But yeah, lots of very horrible dubbing of text noises. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's it's incredibly uncomfortable to watch because at this point in the movie, you've been introduced to three characters. You have um <laughs> you have old Johnny played by Tommy. Yeah. And maybe old is right because nobody really knows how old Tommy Wiseau is. I like, think um... he might legitimately be a vampire, and that's how <laughs> this happened. Because um, if, if, like, if we go back to back to how this movie was made, he claims that he made his money by importing leather jackets, didn't he? <laughs> and that's yeah. how he got. And this movie cost like six million dollars to make, which he financed himself. He financed himself. So this guy imported six million dollars worth of leather jackets. Yeah. And that, that's his story in, in terms of how he made this movie. He kind of turns up. Nobody knows where he's from either, do they? No. Um, Greg, uh, there's some. There's a bit in The Disaster Artist where Greg says he has evidence that he was born in one of the Eastern Bloc countries in the 50s. But, yeah, Tommy claims to be younger than that. Or he claims that he spent some time in France um, and came over from Europe to San Francisco, which is where the film was set in San Francisco, even though it was filmed in L.A. And... Yeah, and then but then there's apparently some evidence that he's Polish, but which would yeah his and his accent you just can't place it. It's yeah, it's really really weird. He's he's a completely indescribable man. He'd yeah. make a brilliant spy. Or I can't remember if I've mentioned this on a previous episode of the podcast, but I think Tommy Wiseau is he is the 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 untapped he has the untapped potential to play a terrifying villain in a horror movie yeah but you wouldn't be able to tell him that it's a horror movie you'd need to tell him that it's a romantic drama um and so he go so if he went into a performance in a horror movie thinking that he was playing a jovial character like he did in the room it would be the most unsettling performance he 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 would become the greatest hannibal lecter of all time for instance if he thought it was a rom-com about a guy who ate people I think a lot of people are legitimately creeped out by him in the room as well. Like his demeanor is very, very weird. Yeah, and and I think that lots of people go on about the bad performances in this movie. But can you imagine acting against Tommy Wiseau? How difficult yeah. and off-putting that must be. I think these people deserved Oscars personally for their. Yeah, well, no, I, I actually thought um, while I was watching it this time that given the the horrible lumpen script and strange premise that. Lisa actually put in a really good performance because she delivered the lines that she was given really well. Yeah, she did. I think she did as well as she possibly could. Um, I'm not sure how much else she's been in since since the room. I have not um, seen any of them in anything else. Let since. me. Yeah, I mean, because because all of these people in this movie, none of them had really acted before. They were like all amateurs. Yeah. Um, at this point. Um. So, so Juliet Danielle, who played Lisa, she's been in a little bit of stuff. Um, the Room was her first big thing. Then she's been in stuff. After, so after The Room, she didn't work for about nine years. Right. And then she, she's she been in a few stuff. The latest thing she's on is is a movie called An Hour to Kill. Um, I'm, it looks like maybe it's like a horror compilation or something like that. That sounds um, like a really bad Bond film. Because... Uh... <laughs> Or when they're trying to come up with the titles for the new Bond film, there's there's eight or nine guys who are pe- getting paid a lot of money to sit in a writers' room and try and come up with titles, and one of them's like, "An hour to kill." Yeah. <laughs> but they ch- they lunch. turn it down because there was a there was one called A View to a Kill, wasn't there? With old yeah, yeah. And John Grisham's first novel is called A Time to Kill. Oh really? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so she's in a movie called An Hour to Kill. I've just had a look. It is a. Um, it is looks like it's a horror anthology. But the thing that drew me to this is that the segment that she's in is called Asaka, like massacre, <laughs> but with ass at the front instead. Uh, okay. Um, so that sounds like it's going to be like you know that's going to be a real tear tearjerker right there. It's going to be a real emotional short. Um. <laughs> So so yeah so I don't think she's gone on to do very much but it seems that maybe since 2012 she's been doing a bit of acting here and there and um cool. maybe like that might be something to do with how the sort of the the popularity of the room really springboarded after that point Yeah it's it's probably at that point has gotten to a, a place where you could use that positively whereas probably in the first couple of years after the room was completely derided as a, yeah as this kind of joke film I'd probably never want to act again yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, so so we first get introduced to um, to Tommy. Um, to Tommy Wiseau is Johnny. He comes through the door after the incredibly long intro, um, where you're seeing bits of uh, bits bits of uh, of San Francisco, and um, he's got a gift for his fiance, uh, his fiance Lisa, played by Juliet Danielle. Um, and it's a red dress, and he makes her go and try it on there and then, um, with a load of very creepy lines, um, most of them overdubbed. And then she comes downstairs, and and in comes the best character in the movie. Can I just say that right now? Yeah, De- I, I think I'm in agreement with yeah, you. Yeah, De- Denny comes through the door, who is a guy who has he eventually gets ex- his 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 role in the movie is explained about halfway through. Um, but your first introduction to this chap is. He comes through the door, says that Tommy Wiseau's fiance looks beautiful and that he wants to kiss her, and then they sort of try and shrug him off and go upstairs and have sex, and he follows them upstairs. Yeah, and, and he's younger than them. He's like a he's like a an eighteen year old kid. Yeah, yeah. He, Whereas obviously Tommy is supposed to <laughs> he's supposed to look younger than he is, but. He's got this kind of obviously long black hair and vampiric looks, so he looks about fifty, whereas Lisa looks like she's maybe in her mid twenties. So it's all, that's all quite weird, anyway. But yeah, Denny comes in, and you're just like, "Who is this child? Yeah, who is this nineties boy band curtains? Who is this random guy that's come through the door?" Um, so so eventually it gets it gets discovered that um, he is uh, he's he he was an orphan who Tommy wanted to adopt but couldn't. But then when he turned 18, he bought him an apartment and looked after him or something like that. And pays his college tuition. And pays his college tuition. But initially, there's like nothing to explain it at all. It's just kind of, this is <laughs> this is what it is. Um, there's some weird guy who's just turned up in their apartment out of nowhere and then disappeared like soon afterwards. Yeah. And they never lock the door to the apartment. People just keep walking in. They do. People are constantly coming in and out of the apartment. There's a couple of their friends who come in to try and have sex but get interrupted. Um, there's who else is there? There's uh, there, there's Mark, obviously the beautifully feather-haired yeah. um, Greg Sestero. Greg Sestero, um, who lives in the same building. Who lives in the course. same building? Um, but he, I think they all live in the same building, don't they? It's yeah. Everyone. It's mentioned at some point that everyone lives in that building. <laughs> yeah, like very handily, all of their friends all live in exactly the same building. Which, which is really you know, great. it's it's really easy to get that kind of arrangement in San Francisco because it's not a very hot rental market. No, like, yeah, you can just find an apartment anywhere. Well, the way that I like to think about it is that 
because because Johnny is such a generous man, which the movie is constantly telling us, they're always telling us how great he is and how wonderful a human being he is. I think he just rented out all the apartments at once and then was like, hey, you guys, I've got all these apartments for you. So when you want to move in, there's an apartment waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's and that's the crux of the film, isn't it? It's all, he's a really, really good guy. Lisa's a horrible bitch for cheating on him, so he's going to spoiler alert go mad and kill himself. Yeah, and that's 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 it. That is all there really is to it. But it's really fascinating how he obviously explores that and breaks that down. And the idea of his, the kind of very misogynist and sexist way that he's exploring kind of the the role roles of men and women that kind of. Like the the man in the film is a good man who's earning lots of money and treating her like a princess and buying her roses and all this kind of cliched horse shit. And then she's obviously just a woman who wants to sleep with everyone. And yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that, that's basically yeah, it. that's the role. So at its core, at its core, it's totally disgusting. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's awful at its core. Um, but um, but yeah, it, what's what's fascinating as well, yeah, is definitely the way that women are perceived in this movie. Because there's only three female characters in it. There's Lisa, the evil devil woman who sleeps with people and is evil, and drives drives poor Johnny to kill himself because she's evil. Um, then there's her mother, who her her sole role in the movie is to keep telling Lisa, "You should marry him. You should marry yeah. him. He's got lots of money and he treats you right." Um, Every time, so, so much so that. And another thing that I really loved is um, when she turns around, Lisa turns around to her mother and lies and says, "He hit me last night," and yeah. and her response is just like, like uh, yeah, like she's she's like. Oh, he he got drunk last night and he hit me. And her response is just, "He doesn't drink." Yeah, <laughs> like no no regard for her daughter's safety or well being whatsoever. And then it's immediately back to just, "Well, he takes really good care of you." Um, and then the other character and the only female character who shows any kind of a conscience is the female friend who I've forgotten the name of. Is it um, Michelle? Yeah, Michelle, who um is the one who sneaks into their apartment and tries to have sex with her boyfriend. Um, yep. because because chocolate is the symbol of love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like feeding each other chocolate. Yeah, um, and yeah, and just like putting it on each other's chest and eating it off of each other. There, there are very few people. There's not that too I... much nudity, and the, but yeah. then he inexplicably leaves his underpants behind, even though you don't see him take them off. So I, I like to think and then that he has he came to come back there. and get them. <laughs> he came in there with just his underpants off already, just in his pocket. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I always carry a spare pair in there, don't you? But to, to be fair, I mean, if you're that horny that you're just going from house to house having sex, is it really worth taking your underwear, putting your underwear back on? Nah. If you're that, if you're that much of a horn dog that you're just going from <laughs> from one friend's house to another friend's house and sleeping love with that your word. significant other <laughs> on their sofas. Um, but, but but there's there's a very limited number of people that I'd be willing to eat chocolate off and have chocolate eaten off me. Um, and yeah, I don't Ryan think some... Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling and you, pretty much. Yeah. Um, that, so there's like, and and so like, I don't think someone turning around to me and saying, you know, chocolate is the symbol of love, would necessarily be enough for me to go, oh, you know what? All right, eat some chocolate off my nipples. Yeah, you know, all all, all it takes to get me to get me horny is some cod philosophy or something that sounds like a shit shakespeare line you know that's that's it that's all you need that that is all you need 
Um, so like, yeah. So the 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 girlfriend in that situation, she shows a little bit of a conscience because she's like, oh, you can't keep messing around, Tommy like that, Johnny like that. Yeah. Um, you 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 need to you need to make a decision one way or another. But up until that point, she's just kind of kept the secret and laughed about it. Yeah. As well. She's, but her performance actually is quite good as well because I feel like you know often when you can tell when yeah a friend doesn't agree with something that their friend has done um but want has to stick by them because they're their friend and they're kind of awkwardly trying to process that i think her performance of that is actually quite good yeah yeah i'd agree i think she's she puts in a, a good performance her her boyfriend on the other hand um is probably the worst performer apart from tommy wiseau in the movie wouldn't you yeah. say he's a sort of weird jock character because there's a scene where they, they're like down in the alleyway um just like throwing a football around and he appears and then make cracks a couple of sexist jokes and then they all laugh about it and that's it yeah yeah and and it's it's really weird isn't it um and and there there are lots of random sexist comments in this movie and loads of random sort of sexist cutaways for no good reason so one of my favorite ones is when mark is talking to to johnny and they're sort of talking about women and he's like oh i don't understand women man sometimes they're too smart a lot of the time they're just plain stupid and sometimes they're pure evil (laughs) is this when they're on the roof which is actually a green screen of the yeah supposedly the roof of their building but that has this weird like corrugated iron door entrance that would never be on top of a building it's like yeah. a, it's like a, a sort of weird shed. Yeah, it's like an '80s shed on top of a building in in uh, San Francisco. Um, and and the 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 rooftop is where all of the dramatic stuff happens before the before the end of the film as well. So that's where um where Mark has been discovered. His his, his uh, affair with Lisa has been discovered by um Peter. Um. And so then he sort of starts trying to throw Peter off the side of the building and it's all very dramatic. Just out of yeah. nowhere is just trying to commit murder um, of one of his oldest friends. Yeah. Mark's character is definitely the most erratic and confusing throughout the whole film. And the expression on his face betrays the fact that Greg Sestero is obviously very confused about his character's <laughs> motivations while he's acting them out as well. Because at first it, he's like, true. oh, he's nice, he's the friend, and he's sort of brushing Lisa's advances off, but then eventually going with it. And then he seems like nice, and then it seems like he feel bad. But then suddenly they're having a very, very long pornographic sex scene, and then suddenly he's holding a guy off a window, and he might be about to murder a guy. Yeah. Like, okay, it, why not? He, he, yeah, he, he, he suddenly... It's, it's very much like the third Star Wars prequel, where Anakin Skywalker goes from confused and like, oh no, who's the evil people am i on the side of the evil people and then like one side one second later he's killing children in the name of yeah. an evil emperor and it's like yeah <laughs> so that that that's who mark is mark is anakin skywalker um yep. and he's yeah and and so his and and you're right he's constantly confused but can you blame him for sort of like what his script is like he's constantly saying that he's busy but you never see him doing anything whatsoever in fact you never really see any of the characters doing anything at all yeah like they're all supposed to be incredibly busy professionals but they seem to spend like the entirety of the film sitting around or having bad sex yeah coming into johnny's apartment in the middle of the day to have sex in it because it's some kind of sex pad and then or there are like (laughs) scenes of him and him and 
I actually really like there's two pointlessly long scenes where Mark and Johnny are just um, like running around in Golden Gate Park or chucking a football around. Yeah. And there's like yeah. mumbly dialogue over the top that you can't really make out, but you just so you have to know that they're talking and they're being all matey. I actually really like those scenes, like aesthetically, they're like really nice to look at. And it shows that actually Tommy Wiseau's work is better when there's no dialogue. Yeah, I think he's made to he's he's made to direct um, silent films. If yeah. he was around a hundred years earlier, maybe things would have been different for him. Um, <laughs> or maybe he was around a hundred years earlier if he truly is a vampire. It's possible, yeah. And he's just never adapted to the new way that films are made. No, I think he's gotten halfway the there. Yeah, um, he's he's Bon Jovi it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating movie in general, though, um, because one of the greatest things about the room is you you very succinctly put together what this film is. Man has fiance, he loves her, she has affair, she's evil, he kills himself. Um, but there, what's great about the room is all of the random cutaways to nowhere, and all yeah. of these different subplots that just disappear into the void. Um, like the my favorite one is is obviously the drug deal yeah um where it's not even a subplot it's one completely fucking random scene (laughs) where it's just like we've got to have like a an action scene to prove that not only is johnny the best lover and he treats her like a princess but like (laughs) he's he's a strong he's he's a big strong like action man as well but yeah, so there's a drug deal. It suddenly just randomly cuts to Denny on the roof with a with a hard man whose name is Chris R. For some reason, <laughs> yeah, a hard Chris man R. in a beanie. Uh, Chris Dash R. Like what? What is that? That's what it said on the credit. Um, he's like a, a hard nut in a beanie who's like, "Give me my fucking money. Where's my fucking money?" And Denny's like, "I don't have the money. Give me my fucking money." Just like over and over again. And he's got a gun and he's threatening him with a gun. And then, of course, Mark and Johnny come in and take him down. But there isn't really even a fight. They just sort of walk up to him and hold him and take the gun off him. It's like the weakest yeah. action scene I've ever seen. The guy just rolls over. But what's great about it as well is that Denny, Denny says to Chris R, um, he's like, oh, that it'll be about five minutes and then I'll have your money. And like, clearly yeah. this guy is in such a rush that those five minutes is too long to wait for however much money it is that Denny owes him. So he just yeah. pulls out a gun and threatens to kill him. <laughs> it's just completely out of nowhere. The scene goes from yeah. like uh, goes up to a hundred miles an hour, and then just diffuses instantly. And then you've got like this big screaming match between about five different people. Um, yeah, you get hysterical the... Lisa, which is also really amazing as well. Like her, her his performance as being really hysterical at Denny, and uh, while the mother is just like Lisa's mum is just like lecturing him and lecturing him and lecturing him, and she's really annoying. And I really want her to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah she's saying like what are you doing with drugs and people are saying what kind of drugs yeah. and stuff like that and it's never explained was he buying drugs off him to then sell on was he buying drugs because he's secretly a smackhead yeah um but he goes <laughs> he goes over and over i don't have them anymore but like what does that mean does that mean he took them or does that mean he sold them on does that mean he put them in the toilet like they could mean anything yeah it could it could literally mean anything whatsoever and um and what's great is that you have this really intense scene and then that is it it never gets mentioned again 
and there is no nothing happens to Chris R that you know of. It no. never gets brought up with um <laughs> never gets brought up with Denny either. It's just kind of there and that's it. And that's the end of it. Yeah. Although, is it the same gun that they took from him that Johnny uses to kill himself? <gasps> oh my. It's I never shown that like he keep he keeps the gun or anything, but it looked like the same gun. I mean, it Although probably could have just was... been because they didn't buy another gun. <laughs> this is, this is a movie <laughs> where they um where they bought lots of picture frames to put around, but didn't take out the placeholder photos of spoons, and so they just have a load of pictures of spoons up in their house. So I imagine yeah. it was probably the same gun, just reused. I don't know if enough thought was put in to have that kind of foreboding. This was not. This is not Alfred Hitchcock's ticking bomb under the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, famously, if you go and see one of these screenings at the Prince Charles Cinema in London, where Tommy and Greg often appear live in person and do Q and A's and stuff, they give you plastic spoons to throw at the screen when the um, spoons appear on the screen. They do. I've been to one of those screenings where Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero <gasps> were there. Did you and, meet? Him? Uh, I met Tommy Wiseau and he shook my hand and it was possibly the greatest moment of my life. That's awesome. It was so good. He's shorter than you think he's going to be. Yeah, it's because he's got that sort of, like you said, long, stretched action man, burnt action figure body. (laughs) But actually, yeah, he's not not as tall as you think. He's not as tall as you think, but he is captivating. Um, And so so Greg Sestero was answering a lot of questions. When I went to see it, I think... I think the the disaster artist had just come out or was just about to come out. So there was lots of questions about that. And so it was really fascinating, actually. But what the other thing that I loved and that I'll remember about that day is that Greg Sestero turned up and he was wearing the jacket from Drive. You know, that jacket <laughs> with the scorpion on the back that Ryan yeah. Gosling wears. Just like, dude, you are possibly the coolest man in the world. Not only did you manage to survive working on a movie with Tommy Wiseau, but you're now wearing the jacket from Drive just casually around. It's oh, It was so good. That's badass. Yeah, but yeah, that's why I love the disaster disaster artist as well because it was Greg's story more than anything. Even though it's the story of of Tommy making this film, yeah, you got a real insight into Greg's life and his struggles as an actor as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, but one who was not suffering from sort of weird delusions. But yeah, he um you he struck he struggles through a couple of other bad films and he does a bit of modeling work and he's an incredibly handsome man. He is like he he could model for anyone at anything and you're kind of baffled as to why he doesn't just spend his whole career getting very expensive modeling contracts and stuff but yeah it's it's his his life was very interesting as well and a really interesting part of it how it fits into the room's jigsaw he's um yeah he's really handsome he's like a more handsome version of owen wilson Hmm. um and like he's a he's a he's a handsome chap and like i don't know how good he is as an actor because like you know, you can't really judge anybody's ability from, from being in the room. No. Um, but he's had a decent... I've had a little look on IMDb and he's had a decent career of like... He's been in a few things here and there. He's in a movie called Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. <laughs> he's got a... He's got a... He's got a, a, a cameo. I love that LMFAO song. <laughs> <laughs> I'll murder you and I know it. Um, and uh, and he's clearly got a cameo in the disaster artist which i think you know yeah totally deserved tommy apparently appears in it as well i i saw a thing today on the la times which is a a quick interview and it had greg and tommy and the, the the franco men 
all on the coach all on the couch together talking about it and tommy sort of apropos of nothing talks about how he was inspired by a film called sunny directed by none other than nicholas cage no way yeah Age. um it's quite an old film that nicholas cage directed um and i i've never even heard of it have you heard of this film no i've not heard of it it's called Sunny, S-O-N-N-Y, as in a child, not as in Sunny, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. But um, yeah, now I really want to see this film. I don't even know what it's about, but to- apparently it was a big inspiration for The Room. So <laughs> That's totally, thank you, Nicolas Cage. T- t- totally got to watch it. Without Nicolas Cage, you might not have The Room. Yeah. Um. So so I've, I've looked up Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, and it has Patton Oswalt in it. All right. So okay. it's got one big name in it. Maybe it's worth. I might. I might track that movie down and try and find out if it's any good. Apparently, though, um, Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau are going to be in a movie together called Best Friends. Apart from Friends, is in is in uh, ellipses. So Best Fiends. <gasps> Ooh. When a, that sounds good. When a drifter, Greg Sestero, is taken in by a peculiar mortician, Tommy Wiseau, the two hatch an underground enterprise off the back of the mortician's old habits. He's definitely a vampire. He's definitely a vampire. Um, but greed, hatred, and jealousy soon come in turn, and their efforts unravel, causing the drifter to run off with the spoils and leaving the mort- mortician adrift. An expedition across the southwest introduces wild and crazy characters through a series of twisted and dark foibles, as both men learn a valuable lesson about friendship and loyalty. Hmm. That's out next year. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds I'm, like a sounds sounds bromantic. We could definitely talk about it. I am mega on board with this. I have no idea if it's got any other like big people in it, but come on, Tommy Wiseau. In a way, I'm right. glad now that they're big enough off the back of this cult thing that they can obviously seemingly go and do films now in their own right. And even if they turn out to be kind of playing off the so bad it's goodness of the room. Maybe this will give them a chance to try and prove themselves as filmmakers again. You know. Yeah, I think they. You know? I think they've deserved it. They've been for a lot of like crap over the room because not everybody like. I genuinely love this movie. I think it's one of the most enjoyable things I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but a it's lot highly of, entertaining. Yeah, a lot of people are very cruel about it, and like even in the initial sort of like, sort of like internet critiques that sort of built up the reputation of the room, there were some very nasty very nasty stuff about this movie um not all of it was as endearing as the way that i think we both feel about it um, yeah so I, I, think, I love this film i think... I, I, genu- I genuinely love it and i feel very affectionate towards it and towards tommy and greg and yeah i feel like they are they're good people who made a thing that has brought joy to millions of people and you can agree that there are some elements of the film that are hilariously bad or not what you would think of as being good film make, filmmaking or even standard filmmaking or as being sort of problematic in terms of what one expects from a film culturally but that's no reason to shit on it no 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 for for sure and like i think i've said i've said before certainly to you in person that um the room is the movie that would be playing on the background of a hotel tv in twin peaks that that's what it is yeah. <laughs> like that that's how it feels it's got that otherworldly soap opera feel to it um it was made in 2003 but it genuinely feels like it was made it in like the early 90s way older it looks, it so looks old. like twin peaks actually yeah. doesn't it it's a similar kind of camera work and angles and yeah. 
Um, there's a similar kind of sepia wash to it, which I think is not intentional. I think it's to do with the kind of cameras that they used or that they shot it twice on two different kinds of cameras and one of them went wrong or something or they had to use footage that was wrongly colored well, or I, I think something. what they did was and one of the reasons why it was so expensive to make was that he tommy tommy wiseau decided that he was going to film the movie in both hd and in like retro film camera and That's then decide right. which one he liked more at the end <laughs> or something like that. So it was ridiculously expensive to film from the from the word go because he decided to make that decision. Well, not um, only that, but he also um, decided that he was going to buy all of the equipment when the standard in um, Hollywood filmmaking is that you rent the equipment because everything moves so quickly that stuff becomes outdated very quickly. So if you spend a lot of money buying a camera and it's obsolete, for the next film, that's no good. But he was like, no, we're going to buy it. I'm genuinely going to spend millions of dollars buying equipment that will be obsolete very soon. <laughs> it was, it's, it's great. And, and yeah, like it doesn't get explained in, in, um, in the room. I'm sure it will be explained in the disaster artist about how like they, they, um, they changed actors constantly. Like, the, the, like the people that they chose for these roles, some of them were sacked and like replaced instantaneously because like they didn't like Tommy Wiseau didn't like the look of them and didn't think they had the right personality and stuff like that. Um, yeah, or they dared to question his wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> his infinite wisdom as as the vampire director that that has stood through the test of time. Um, and like one of the one of the most interesting things about this movie as well is um, the character of Peter. Um, kind of disappears. So he gets threatened with being thrown off a roof by by Mark. Um, and then sort of like he appears in like one scene after that. And then he's just never seen again. And that's because the guy who was playing him couldn't stick around on the schedule. Yeah. Um, so then rather than like work out a way to explain it, it's just never explained. And then there's another character who just turns up and says all of the lines that that Peter would have done instead. And you never get his name. You never get yeah. anything. Yeah, and like so, the first time you're watching it, you're thinking like, did they just replace the actor with someone who looked totally different? Is it this? Is it a different character? Who is this person? And yeah, it's never explained. He's just there, and it's it's done. It's done. Yeah, but he's opining at length about how Lisa's doing a bad thing, and then Lisa also lies about being pregnant as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> and she does at the party. Um, it's Johnny's birthday party. It's a surprise per- party, and she's got all her friends there. At this point, um, you're quite a way into the movie, like an hour and a half or something. It was a lot longer than I remember it being. I think every time I watch it, it feels longer for some reason, which is weird because usually when you watch a film, it feels shorter because you know what's going to happen. But yeah, this felt really long to me it, but yeah, yeah the part there's a party scene and it's johnny's um johnny's surprise birthday and all his friends are there a few random extras and people and this guy yeah he's just talking at length about how lisa's done a bad thing but yeah she he johnny goes yeah i have an announcement we're expecting and then everyone cheers and that's it <laughs> and then <laughs> she's she's to her friend she's just like oh yeah i made it up and it's like why would you do that obviously just because she's evil just in case you hadn't yeah. worked out already She's evil. Yeah, they're, they're, like there's no reason for her to make up that um, that she's pregnant. Literally, nothing pushes her to do that. She just randomly decides that she wants to do it. Um, it's yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, 
there are very very big issues like there's that and then there's obviously the bit where the mum says she's dying and then there's the kind of domestic violence plot line that all just disappear yeah and it's like tommy's just thrown in these quite big emotional things just to to add some weight to the same to the drama of her being evil and him being good i guess just just like we'll just chuck it chuck in a domestic violence storyline why not why not just so you can go i did not hit her i did not it's bullshit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, it, there, there's a few moments of this movie that have become like quotable and became quotable yeah. instantaneously, and one of them is this. So, so Tommy has clearly off camera, real like found out that um, that Lisa has uh, has um, has been saying that he hit her, and he just sort of like comes up onto the roof. Like and he's just there going, it's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. He's talking to himself. And and then and then it's just like, oh hi Mark. And then Mark oh, is hi, up Mark. there on the roof as well. Yeah, and Mark was just obviously just just there waiting. He was he's, just he's there. holding an American football because he he's a manly man. He was there being busy. You never find out what what his busyness is. Being very busy, being a very busy a man, just sitting in a chair on top of the apartment building that he lives in. But yeah, um, yeah. If you search the room on Amazon, the first thing that comes up is an "Oh Hi Mark" T-shirt. Oh, really? A picture of Tommy's face on it. That's great. Yeah. Um, the yeah, and and so what other great quotable lines on there? Obviously, there's well, "You're tearing me apart, Lisa." Yeah, yeah. Which is like, it's almost, but not quite, the most uh, the most overacted line in the history of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? You know what's number one, right? What's number one? Then maybe you shouldn't be living here. Oh, of course, of course. I wish <laughs> Taffin had. That's from Taffin, by the way, everybody. That's which a, is a great, great movie with Pierce Brosnan, aka the greatest actor that ever lived. Bronholm. Um, <laughs> Pierce Bronholm. Pierce Bronholm. Um, and uh, and yeah, oh, that that movie doesn't quite have enough co- uh, romance in it, does it? There is a romance between him and a lady, but it's mostly him shitting up Irish gangsters. Yeah, my my memories of that movie are maybe you shouldn't be living here. Him blowing up a shed. Doesn't he blow up a shed? <laughs> he blows up a shed. And yep. and beating people up in a bar fight that happens like within 2 minutes of the movie starting. Yeah. And that and that that's what I remember about that film. And isn't there like a really crappy shootout at the end? Yeah, and, like, yeah, car there's just like two really cars. Slow cars. <laughs> it's in like the car park of a Morrison's or something. <laughs> Or whatever great. the 80s Irish equivalent of a Morrison's would be. Oh, Morrison's, I think it was. <laughs> oh, Morrison's. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, but yeah, so it's, you're tearing me apart, Lisa, is the second most overacted line in history. Even just like if, you, if you're still listening at this point and you haven't seen the film, just go and look up a gif of that. It's, yeah, because it's just great. He, you, kinda, he, he has his, his, his arms. He says the line with his whole upper body. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's a full workout line, actually, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just if you if you don't feel like watching the whole movie, at least go on YouTube and look for like the room best lines, and that will basically give you like a full breakdown of what this movie is all about. Yeah. Um, a personal favorite of mine is when he's sort of like at breaking point. He says this whole thing about how like you everyone's betrayed me, and he ends it with "I'm fed up with this world." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like kind of overly dramatic lines that, that all sort of 
mid-dramatic lines are done with the most drama ever and like so really hysterical and then the incredibly dramatic emotional lines are just delivered really deadpan it's yeah, great it's it's brilliant um and my you know my, my favorite is oh hi doggy <laughs> oh, oh hi doggy yeah that's that's probably the best scene in the movie and if there was one scene that encapsulated all of the problems with the room it's that one scene so like it's about what 20 seconds long he goes yeah, into a florist that. to buy some roses. And half of that is of him parking the car. <laughs> there are a lot of really inexplicably long scenes of him parking his car. <laughs> like, you see him like, driving into his apartment, a really long thing of him slowly going up the drive. And it's like, yeah, we get it. He owns a car. <laughs> but he's such a great man. You know, he's so generous. He like He's so loving. He owns his own car. You know, yeah. it's all just putting home that Tommy is a man that you can trust. Look at his car. Um, so he comes into this. He goes into this. Um, into this florist, flower shop. And, it, and it's almost like every single line is out of order. Like you could put them in a different order, and the and it would make sense. Yeah. Um. So like he comes into the shop, and then like, he's like, "Hello there," um, <laughs> and like, "I would like a dozen roses," and then like. The um, the florist is like, uh, oh, it's you, it's you, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. And it's like, really, you didn't know that this really creepy guy with long black hair, wearing <laughs> yeah. the same suit that he wears all the time, wasn't Johnny? Because <laughs> everyone in San Francisco looks like that. Yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, everybody looks like that in San Fran. It's um, a tech vampire town. So, so, so here's a full rundown of of the scene here. So you've got, uh, you've got Johnny walks in and goes, hi. And the, the person in the flower shop goes, can I help you? And he goes, yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Um, <laughs> do, do you like my, my Tommy Wiseau? It's good. It's sort of halfway between Tommy and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Because obviously um, he's your, your biggest inspiration. I mean, I, 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 every day I wake up and I'm disappointed that I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And like I go to bed every night dreaming that in the morning I will become Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's just that every you'll day. You'll wake up and shoot someone in the dick. Yes. <laughs> just be like put that cookie down um <laughs> and uh and yeah so so he asks for these roses and then the flower shop clerk goes oh hi johnny i didn't know it was you gets the roses and then hands them over and goes here you go <laughs> johnny then goes that's me <laughs> how much is it and she says it'll be 18 dollars. he hands over the cash so he clearly has exactly 18 dollars or like something yep. like that and it's like here you go i um, don't have all that pissing about with tax that you have in in the u.s yeah yeah which is bullshit by the way americans you are doing it wrong yeah it's it's so inconvenient like when i when i was over in the states it's like yeah you need to work that out but then you need to work out tax on top of it and you're like oh no yeah. i don't i don't want to do maths in my day-to-day life what, what is there are this? loads of other things in the u.s that are incredibly convenient mm. like driving the cars are all automatic and the lanes all feed off in the proper like actual direction that they're supposed to be going and the signs make sense rather than here in the uk where because our roads were built for donkeys and carts they sometimes have a lane you end up in a lane and it's just feeding off the road somewhere and you're like okay i'm going this way now but yeah, that the the tax, the sales tax thing, or how the pri- and tipping as well, all of it just is fucking bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the one, the one thing that I love about America is that like everything's so big as well. It's great. Like, yep. like over in England, for for those of you who are American listeners who've not been over here, it's basically like walking into Hobbiton. That's what England yep. is. Everything like is small. Doll's house. Everything is cramped. Um. 
like I've not got time for that bullshit. Give me lots of space and, yeah. and give me a big burger and like I'm yours basically. Another big burger. Um but yeah, so so this one scene like everything is completely out of order. Like there's a dog sitting there, it's this pug. <laughs> and like is it like, a pug? It's the uh, weirdest dog I've ever seen. It's a it's, really like fat lumpen dog. It's a with, Tommy it's got, like a pug face. It's a Tommy Wiseau of dogs. It's you can't quite <laughs> place it. It's so like little, little fat vampire dog, <laughs> little fat vampire dog. Um, no, it's, I swear it's a pug. It's got to be a pug. Yeah, but it's 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 overweight and it's sitting on the counter. <laughs> yeah, like, why would the dog be sitting on the counter in the flower shop? And it's not really moving much at all either. And it's just kind of staring at him. And like, I think you honestly you won't notice it the first time you watch it. Unless you're looking for it, it's so still. It's like it's part of the yeah. very, very busy scene in the flower shops. There's lots to draw the eye. You don't see it until then. He's just on the way, <laughs> on the way out after everything else is done. He just goes, "Oh hi, doggy!" to the dog. Yeah, and the dog uh, just like, kind of moves its eyes and looks at him. Everything is everything is just <laughs> totally out of order. Like because you, you'd have thought the first thing you do when you're in there would be like pet the dog and go hi, doggy. Yeah, Instead, especially like, as the dog right. is unmoving on the counter. The dog has been there waiting to be pet the whole time. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. Um, yeah, that that's my favourite line. I think like there's a couple of other ones, um, but <laughs> there's the one where Denny Denny professes his love for Lisa to Johnny. Yeah, which I think is supposed to be a precursor for what's going to happen with Mark and like. And and it's kind of showing you that like oh if Mark had only talked to Johnny he would have been able to sort everything out. I think that was kind of the 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 scene that it's supposed to be. But like the way that the way that the scene pans out, you kind of think at the beginning that Johnny's going to turn around and rip out his throat. Yeah. So like he comes in and is like oh I've got to tell you something and Johnny's like oh shoot Danny, um, <laughs> and it's like it's about Lisa and he sort of goes go on, and then he sort of says I think I'm in love with her and again he just sort of goes. Go on, <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah. no, you're like, yeah. Is he good? This, is he going to hold him off the roof? Is he going to get the gun? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's all over the place, and you're like, and I think like Tommy Wiseau is so captivating in this movie, isn't he? Yeah, like you really genuinely can't look away, and you don't know what's going to happen. Like the first time that you watch it, you have no idea what this guy is going to do next, and like you don't know where this movie's going to turn. Um. It's just sort of all over the place, um, but particularly his performance. You're like, is he going to turn around and like spit acid at somebody? Like, is he yeah. going to turn into a in, into a monster halfway <laughs> through this movie? It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. Just, it's so strange. But then, obviously, when it does, when he does dramatically kill himself, you're like, oh, well, that's that's obviously the only reasonable way to tie it all up and to realize the kind of the madness that has been building throughout the film. It reminds me of. A, a short play that I wrote in drama class in year 10. You know, it's that <laughs> level of dramatic writing and creative writing. It's like, well, obviously it's going to end with someone killing themselves yeah. rather than having any kind of like depth or nuance or anything. It's like dramatic thing, biggest possible dramatic ending, everyone crying over his body. That That's it. That's it. And like, it, it, and that scene, like before it happens as well, you've got the best destruction scene in the history of cinema, where Tommy Wiseau goes around his apartment and trashes it in the most half-hearted way possible. Yeah. So he's kind of just and staggering going, around. Yeah. <laughs> 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 sounds like a like a record going backwards. He's howling like Chewbacca. 
um, yeah. <laughs> like casually just throwing his arms around and knocking stuff off desks and stuff like that. Then there's the bit where he gets out her red dress, uh, which is yeah. really creepy, and he's like sniffs it and then he starts thrusting at it. Yeah, and he's it's like, like rubbing what, what, it on his knob. What are you? What they, are you doing? Man? The, it's really that creepy. That scene is in the disaster artist trailer as well. It's great. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's um, it's really yeah. It's really creepy. And then like it all ends with him going like, "I'm fed up with this world," and um, and then and then shooting himself, and it yeah. all goes slow motion, and then um, and then like. Lisa runs in and Mark runs in and like <laughs> to continue the 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 idea that Lisa is a bad person like her initial reaction is sadness and then she sort of turns to Mark and is like well at least this means we can be together yeah um and, and then he's like oh hell no you're ending up alone yeah you'll never have me you killed him <laughs> You'll um, never have me. He actually says yeah, that. Yeah, he does. He says you'll never have. Oh, me. I just remembered another really, really good line is um. So after the party, obviously, every she's kind of, she's sort of dancing with Mark, and it's obvious to everyone that um Johnny has been cucked. Um. So see, <laughs> um, it feels like obviously everyone is standing around laughing at him, and then Mark's like, "Go away." And then they have not quite a fight, but they have a scuffle. And he goes, "Don't touch me, motherfucker!" And it like goes really <laughs> <Yes>. slow. <laughs> as that. It does feel like a tape is slowly winding down, doesn't yeah. it? And then obviously everyone leaves. Johnny's locked in the bedroom, and Lisa goes up to try and talk to him. And she knocks on the door. And she goes, "Are you coming out?" And he goes, "In a few minutes, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she's like who are you talking about and his reply is you and your stupid mother yeah it's just like oh my god it makes no sense I, I think yeah Mark has some of the best lines in it as well so he's got like you'll never have me um, yeah. he's also got leave your stupid comments in your pocket that might be the Which... best line actually when it's the, the, the new Peter character yeah. is like trying to give them a lecture and Mark just gets all up in his grill really aggressively and he's like leave your stupid comments in your pocket yeah le- leave your stupid comments in your pocket which I think is a it's it's a it's a it's a little phrase that I think should become part of you know everyday use if it sounds like a sort of peculiar grandfatherly British expression yeah, doesn't yeah, it I, a sort of euphemistic leave your stupid comments in your pocket boy that kind of <laughs> yeah. thing the kind of thing Nigel Farage says to his children yes it's the kind of thing that um, Reese Mogg would say if he ever saw his kids. Yeah. I'm glad that there hasn't been any backlash yet from the fact that I called Jacob Reese Mogg a fucking bellend in last <laughs> week's episode. It's because it's an undeniable fact. It's, this is true. You know, it, people, can't, people can't actually fight against that because whatever you think of his politics, he's obviously a bellend. Like... <laughs> same, with the, <laughs> same with the fact that the earth is flat. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's no... <laughs> there's no evidence to suggest that the earth isn't flat you can't so you can't prove that the earth is a globe you can't it just prove can't it. be done you can't there's no it. you can't where's the photo of the curvature just just show it to me speaking of falling off the earth another great line of marks in the room is as far as i'm concerned you can drop off the earth that's a promise <laughs> so is greg sestero a flat earther this is the kind of thing that Ooh. i want to be answered by um, by the Disaster Artist movie. I need to know. Yeah. Tommy might um, be a flat earther. He might be, actually. He might have been around long enough to know when, you know, 
when the ideas of flat earth theory were initially tossed around and when the idea of the globe was initially tossed around if he is truly a vampire yeah yeah um but yeah the one thing that i love about the room is that it really feels like um it reminds me a lot of garth Marenghi's dark place which is a show that Mm. i absolutely adore and it's got the same kind of cheesy feel to it the same kind of completely (laughs) over the top deliberately cool main character where they're trying to make the main character great it 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 is the written by directed by and starring um and yeah it's great and it's got the same kind of just completely random lines that don't really make any sense but instantly just stick in the back of your mind yeah like yeah stupid comments in your pocket yeah that kind of thing I'm just looking looking at my notes to see if there's anything else that I had to mention and I wrote down that Peter looks like John Ronson. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it is John Maybe Ronson. Maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe he he's in there to defend all the the misogynists from being publicly shamed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um yeah, I think everything else I mentioned, I wrote down, we've covered, apart from the fact that Lisa never wears a bra. Oh, yeah, no, there's lots of gratuitous boob shots, isn't there? But even that, when she's wearing clothes, she's never wearing a bra. Oh, right, and okay. I can't remember if it's mentioned in The Disaster Artist, but I assume Tommy made her not wear a bra because he thought it was sexy. Yeah, I, that's probably it. It was like, you're, you're, you're not wearing a bra today. That is not what Lisa's about. <laughs> That's the kind of the the level of yeah assessment of male female relations that we're dealing with here. But I also wanted to say that it's interesting that obviously we've chosen to do it in the context of this podcast where we talk about romantic films. When actually I think it's possibly the most anti-romantic film of all time because the message <laughs> is don't have a romance because you'll end up shooting yourself. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. But at the same time, it's the movie with the most sex scenes that we've um, that we've covered. This is true. And, 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 you know, there are lines about diving in the way of bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, you are my rose. There, there's lots of romantic <laughs> themes going on. You are my rose. You are my rose. You are my rose. You are my rose. Yeah. <laughs> That's how the song goes. And he buys her a dozen red roses. He treats her like a princess. Yeah. I mean, from from what I've learned from the last few movies we've watched is... You first romance a woman by threatening to kill yourself if she won't go out with you. And then to maintain a relationship, unless she's a devil woman, all you need to do is just provide for her and give her roses and buy her dresses. Yep. Um, it's, yeah. I, I mean, I think together we're putting together a really good portrait of what romance means in the 21st this is, century. This is what it really means to be a man. Yeah. Yeah. And if you get cucked, shoot yourself. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, it's The Room is a true masterpiece of, of film and of storytelling. And there's there's a lot of romantic content. Yeah. At least, yeah. if there isn't romance as such. Yeah, there's lots of romantic content in here, even if, even if it is almost like an absence of actual romance. And even if it is a complete perversion of what yeah. romance actually is. But yeah, that that's actually yeah, watching it as a perversion of romance is actually a very very interesting way to watch it. As well as it being, you know, entertainingly bad and having all the hilarious lines. It's yeah. It's a true masterpiece and a very very important artifact in the history of cinema. Yeah, for for sure. I think this is a movie that I think everybody should watch. 
um At just in once. terms of like it's how not to make a romantic movie basically isn't it if you follow yeah if you follow everything that this movie does and do the opposite you probably end up with something incredible yeah you could call it the ante room <laughs> the ante room yeah i think that's but a a n t e you know so yes. it's like a like the the little room also why is it called the room has this ever been established <laughs> i don't know yeah um which room are they talking about yeah there's a few rooms. you, you assume that it refers to the sexy bedroom where he eventually yeah. kills himself but or maybe the title it... obviously implies that there's some significance to a room and there's never any significance ascribed to any room maybe it's a metaphor and the room is the emptiness that tommy Wiseau feels when he's left alone at the end uh, or it's like the prison of prison of romance yeah so so shall i shall i give some excellent bits of room trivia to you yes so so greg sestero says that Tommy Wiseau took 32 takes to say the lines it's not true, I did not hit her, it's bullshit I did not, oh hi Mark uh, the the line where he's in, you know, barely audibly mumbling to himself yeah, really important to get that right yeah um, they submitted the movie to Paramount hoping to get them as a distributor normally it takes about two weeks to get a reply but the film was rejected within 24 hours <laughs> Um, entire scenes were shot out of focus because nobody bothered to check the lenses. Standard. <laughs> According Apparently, to... um, some of the crew thought it was a money laundering scheme. See, that kind of makes sense. It could have been like um, like uh, the producers, for instance. Yeah. Or um, or there's someone... Uh, Ewa Boll makes a lot of um, terrible movies based on video games. Um, and it's all to do with some kind of tax avoidance scheme in uh in europe where people funnel their money into these movies and it then allows them because they're then counted as home produced movies it allows them to reduce the cost of what they pay in tax well there's a reason to leave the eu if i ever had one <laughs> well maybe it's something that the uk can take up you know maybe we should start yeah. doing that become a film film tax haven film tax haven i think is a great idea yeah. and definitely won't make us a laughing stock um no. so so Mark's character is named after Matt Damon. According to Sestero, Tommy Wiseau misheard the actor's name despite his obsession with him. Mark Damon. (laughs) That's awesome. The person who was credited as the executive producer and casting agent died in 1999, three years before production began. Okay. Um, Tommy Wiseau apparently insisted on his bum being shown because, and this is a quote, I have to show my ass or this movie won't sell. <laughs> That's in the, the yeah. trailer for the disaster artist. That's good. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, I, I mean, to be fair, I don't know how successful the movie would have been um, within... Uh, within the sort of like cult classic community if Tommy Wiseau's bum had not been out yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't have even made it to the one cinema in LA that showed it I reckon <laughs> you know this it was shown at one cinema I think like a handful of people went to the opening night and booed it and then it ran for the for like a couple of weeks at the cinema that they'd rented and no one went to see it 
But the only advertising that they did was this giant billboard on the highway with a really creepy picture of Tommy Wiseau's face. <laughs> you know the one where it's all zoomed in. And, yeah. yeah. And it I'd, makes him um... look a thousand times more like a vampire than he is. I mean, I totally would have gone to go and see it. If, if I'd been around at the time and I'd seen that billboard, I would have been like, I need to see what this fucking disaster of a movie is about. Yeah. But, you know, um, this is pre, pre-social media. It's it is, yeah. So this would, it would be purely through word of mouth. Or seeing that poster and thinking, you know what, I need to see that movie. Um, the film's editor tried to convince Tommy Wiseau to cut the shot of his naked ass from the movie on the grounds that the sight of it scared his wife. <laughs> The phrase oh hi is spoken nine times and oh hey is spoken seven times. Um it's it's yeah, it's um <laughs> it's good to know how many times those are um those are those are put in the movie actually. I'd love to get actually get like a copy of the script of the room, like a nice yeah. a nice bound copy to read through. Um it's it's yeah it's it's great um so yeah i think that's probably it for um for the uh uh for for the trivia that i'd like to read out um the the one other thing i'd like to bring up is i've not mentioned it yet but i love the fact that rather than saying fiance it's always future wife or future yeah. husband they never say the word fiance it's 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 creepy really isn't it yeah. it's like the whole thing is about taking someone for for your wife isn't it yeah it's yeah i never i didn't think about that but it did occur to me that that was a weird thing he's your future husband you have to be good he's good yeah she's my future wife yeah you're my future wife (laughs) it's it's yeah uh this movie it's yeah like i said a true masterpiece have you thought of a rating scale uh i don't know butt thrusts Tommy Wiseau butt thrusts. Yeah, I was thinking you could, you could go obvious and just have red roses because he buys a lot <laughs> how of red many roses. Do- and... How many dozens of red roses? How many times when singing the song would you repeat the line, you are my rose? <laughs> <laughs> Up to a maximum of 20 times. Are we actually going to be singing it? I'll, I'll, oh, we, I'll we keep could, count. We could if you want. <laughs> yeah, if we each keep count of how many times we're singing it. Okay, but then, yeah, then if one of us drops off first, then yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh so do you want to go first? Uh, uh we're not going to do it together. Or... Oh, we could do. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Like make it quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were just going to keep the podcast dragging on and on and on, you know. Well, yeah. We could. You know, people <laughs> people haven't got any enough other romantic content in their lives, but no, yeah. no, they need they need this romantic content in their lives. Okay, so so yeah. do you want to count us in? Okay, one, two, three, four. You are my rose. 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 Yeah. You are my rose. You are my rose. You are my rose. The 
there's probably still fewer times than it is on the record. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I made it. So I made it to fifteen before I cracked up. But I don't know if it's fair to rate this film on a proper rating scale like the other films, is it? Because it's in a it's in a world of its own. No, the the way that I thought of my rating was I would take however many points I'd give it as a movie, and then I'd give it the opposite as the enjoyment factor. So if yeah. I was looking at this objectively as a film, it would be a two out of 20. This is a is yeah. an absolute train wreck. But conversely, that is how much enjoyment I get out of this movie, is this is such a fun film to watch. Particularly but if I you've got the, other The enjoyment factor you. is way more important than whether it's, you know, objectively good, right? Oh yeah, for certain, for certain. It's, I don't. It's, I don't do this podcast because of. I want anything to be objectively good. It's all about the entertainment. It is. It is. You know. I. I don't agree with Pink. I am here for your entertainment. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the words of Robbie Williams, let me entertain you. Yeah, precisely. Old old Robbie. He had it. He had his. He had it screwed on right. Yep. Um. He shook his rude box. He did shake his rude box. Um, but the only thing that was wrong with him was, you know, he should have wanted to rock DJ. Yeah, because um, it was making him feel so nice. It was, you know, why did he fight the 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 wanting to rock DJ? It's, yeah, <laughs> I would love to see Robbie Williams star in a romantic film. Is there a place for him in Sensation somewhere? We've got DJ uh, Greg Wallace. Could they do some kind of double act together? Or yeah, there's got to be. DJ Greg Wallace and MC MC Robbie Williams. Alternatively, like the end Smash Biscuits song at the end of it is like a duet between Smash Mouth singer and Robbie Williams, and they do like what was the song that he did with Kylie Minogue? Oh, um, I know the one you mean, but I can't. Kids, the name of it kids, it was called, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. They they could do that. Don't together. mind doing it for the kids. <laughs> They could, they could, they could, they could do that together. They could. Um, Don't they mind could... doing it for the biscuits. Yeah, yeah, that that would work. That would definitely work. So the guy from Smash Mouth, Steve Harwell, is his name. He gets to be Kylie. He gets to be Kylie Minogue. Uh, but then, like halfway through, he could like fall off the stage, and then like Kylie Minogue like parachutes in, and then they do the song together. Yeah. I don't think Kylie's got much on. I th- I think she'd be up for it. I think she I she strikes me as someone who who likes a bit of fun. And yeah. I think this is she the kind of She could come down spinning around. She could. <laughs> yeah, she could come down. Uh, oh no, what could happen is that that um I've already forgotten the name of the singer from Smash Mouth, so I'm just going to refer to him as Smash Steve Mouth. Steve Harwell. No, that's not staying in my brain, Paddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have too much information in my brain to remember the name of the guy who sings in Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth guy. Um, He just hears from a distance, move out of my way. And then Kylie (laughs) Minogue comes into the scene, (laughs) knocks him off the stage. She unclips her parachute and then starts singing along with with Robbie Williams whilst the rest of of, uh, Limp Bizkit. Because isn't that what we were going to do? It's going to be Limp Bizkit playing with the singer singer of Smash Mouth. So Wes Borland is there looking freaky. Apart from maybe he's got like, rather than his usual face paint, he's got face paint on to make himself look like a hot dog. So yeah. like he's got body paint to make him look like a yeah. hot dog. Because of their song, Hot Dog Gonna Eat You Up. Eat you, eat you, eat you yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Mate, this is going to be the greatest movie of all time. Yeah. You, know, you, you can get like a hot dog costume like that in Primark now. You know? Really? It doesn't have to break the bank. Yeah. We don't have to spend $6 million like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> you know, we could probably do this pretty cheap. <laughs> But you know, this is going to be a, a this is going to be an Oscar winning performance. Maybe we should, you know, make sure that we get premium. We'll get, oh yeah, yeah. We'll get. A, I'm not um, suggesting we scrimp either. <laughs> we'll go to um, we'll go to Debenhams to get our hot dog costume, not Primark, for instance. <laughs> you know, we'll get that little bit more upmarket. Yeah, Marks and Spencers maybe. Yeah. <laughs> go to All Saints and get just a black and grey hot dog costume. <laughs> That'll yeah, be two hundred pounds, please. Uh, um. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, I'm happy with our ratings for The Room. I, I love this film. It's really enjoyable. Um, yeah. the, the one thing that I was going to talk about as well um, was there's two kinds of bad movies. There's the deliberately bad movies like Sharknado or Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus. <laughs> um, those kind of films. Or Snakes on a Plane. Big to, Thing versus other big things. Yeah, yeah. Snakes on a Plane to some extent as well. Although like that was worse than people were expecting and that's where the enjoyment came from i think um and um so there's those kind of movies but then there's the movies like the room or like birdemic or troll 2 where a lot of work and a lot of money has gone into these films to try and make them into something incredible um and it has all just completely failed in every single possible way. And there's a real difference in how those kind of movies feel to watch. So like when you're watching a Sharknado movie, it's kind of boring because they're trying to make a bad film. And so they're using all of these tropes of bad movies that um, that you're already familiar with. So like you already know what's going to happen. You already know what steps they're going to take. Whereas like when you're watching something like The Room, it's the unexpected atrocities of filmmaking that really make it something great. Um, it's it's Tommy Wiseau's completely off-the-wall performance. It's the ridiculous lines of dialogue. Um, it's the awful, awful, awful performances in Troll 2 um, that really make those that just movies... just go nowhere. Yeah, yeah. The, and, and those are what makes those movies so great. Um, and, like, it doesn't just have to be, like bad movies like that that really bring those things home so like another great bad movie and it's nowhere near as bad as the room it's actually vaguely watchable is uh the uh jennifer lopez uh anaconda movie oh yeah um yeah. with ice cube and john voight and danny trejo <laughs> trump supporter john voight <laughs> trump supporter john voight who's putting on some kind of weird south american accent that you can never really place in fact he kind of sounds like tommy wiseau um in that movie um, and, and again, that is a really good bad film because it's really enjoyable to watch um, and all of the bad bits of it, they don't feel like they were deliberately put in to try and get in an audience that wants to watch a bad movie. So like John Voight's performance is completely bizarre and completely unlike anything else you've ever seen in your life, apart from possibly Tommy Wiseau. Um, and it's, yeah, it's great. It's great. And And I just think if you're going to make a bad movie, don't set out to make a bad movie, people. Because that's where boring movies lie, and that's where you'll lose the interest of people, and you'll never really gain that cult classic status if you're going to set out for that. And I think crucially, if the if the actors know that it's a deliberately bad film, their performances will be appropriately hammed up. Whereas if they sort of know that it's bad but it's earnest, their performances are more likely to be strange and enchanting, 
and you know obviously bad but sometimes good and just generally very confusing like Lisa and Denny in the room who I feel like are people who can actually act but the script and the whole process of the film is obviously so just bamboozling that their performances are so kind of stilted and strange and I find all that stuff much more fascinating to watch than people just deliberately fucking around yeah exactly and yeah so I think that's where the love is the love is in the people people love a movie that tries to be good but ends up being awful they don't love a movie that sets out to give you cheap laughs in the name of creating a bad film we want a chronicle of human endeavor yeah yeah and and that's what that that's exactly what sets apart the deliberate bad movies from the genuine bad movies is is the work that goes behind it and the passion that goes behind it and that's why people love the room they don't love the room just because of oh hi doggy they love it because everything was done in this movie with the intention of creating a great film um and it just fell short in every single way and that's why people love it is is they tried so hard to to make a movie out of this film and in a way tommy was i thought it was his masterpiece obviously it didn't it's not considered a masterpiece how one would assess one in the traditionally assessing a film obviously it you know didn't make any money and it was a bomb but having gained this cult status and having it occupies a particular cultural space now where you can consider it his masterpiece mm. so in a way he's really succeeded it's just in a kind of roundabout way and i find all that yeah that kind of thing makes a film much more interesting to watch yeah yeah this is um this is what's great about this is it's basically like you know how hp lovecraft died in poverty yeah. or like philip k dick um never really saw the success of and and like the respect um in his lifetime this is like the opposite of that where yeah. where these where the room is like everyone knows it's crap but they love it and they've been able to make a success out of it and it's really heartwarming to see that that like Things don't have to be good to be enjoyable. Things don't have to be good to be loved. And yeah. it's wonderful to see when something like that happens. Yeah, it's it's a good chronicle of trying and passion and endeavour and caring about things and hard work and just, yeah, how things can things and people can surprise you. Yes. And also um, a great way to show what to do when you're fed up with this world (laughs) yeah obviously i don't care (laughs) i don't care you've all betrayed me yeah (laughs) don't touch me motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) this this has been a good episode i think so Long, long talk yeah we've had a nice chat um yeah. dear listeners do let us know what you think don't keep your stupid comments in your pocket we want to hear no. what you want to say about about the room empty your pockets right now yes yeah empty we are the tsa and we demand that you empty your pockets. keep your lovely pockets open with your lovely comments sent straight to us <laughs> yeah and you can send those to us at on twitter at big boys don't pod or by email big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com what did you make of the room? Yeah, let us know who your favourite character was. Um, I'm really yeah. interested to hear who people loved in this movie. Did you love Denny as much as we did? did? Do you agree that Lisa's performances are actually good? 
Were you as irritated by Lisa's mother as I was? Do you think that Chris R should have got a Best Supporting Actor nod for his performance as yeah. Dude on the Roof? He should have his own spin-off. <laughs> the Adventures of Chris R. Yeah. That um... sounds like a Sega CD game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Have you seen that Twitter account that's posting all the fake Sega CD games? I have, yeah, it's great. That is genius. Yeah, it brings me a little bit of joy every time I see an update from them. Yeah. Uh, there was something else I was going to talk to you about, but I've completely forgotten. So I'll I'll look it up and I'll save it for next time, as we're already 90 minutes in. Have we have we reached the, the length of the room with this podcast? I think the room is, what, 1 hour 40... Or maybe yeah, it's about one hour forty. Oh, okay. So we're a bit short. We need we need ten minutes of I'm sex gonna, scenes I'm gonna, to catch yeah. up. <laughs> Podcast sex scenes. <laughs> I'm gonna just gonna quickly look up the running time of the room. Like running time, not rubbing time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't type on this phone. So, dear listeners, do you want more yeah. podcast sex scenes in order to extend the runtime of your episodes? <laughs> Let us know in the comments. Wait, it says one hour thirty nine. We're up to one hour thirty three. So, oh, we're nearly. We're there. basically there. We're, yeah. like, if that includes the credits and stuff, yeah. Or definitely, if you take out all the stock footage of San Francisco with the medieval music, then we're basically there. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> So not only have you had to endure watching the room, you've had to endure the same length of time listening to us talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> which, 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 dear listeners, here's another question for you: Which of us, uh, out of me and Paddy, which of us is Tommy Wiseau and which of us is Greg Sestero? Oh my god, That's <laughs> I'm very, really intrigued to see what people question. think. Which one of us is which? Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm not even going to attempt to go near an answer to that. But uh, you we look, want you guys to answer it. Look, we should do a poll. Yeah, you look really good with a beard. Mm. And Greg Sestero yeah. looks really good with a beard. I'm leaning towards it. We should do it. We'll do a Twitter poll. Yeah, yeah. Which of which of us is Greg and which of us is Tommy? Yeah, I'm happy either way, to be honest. Yeah, there are, there are pros and cons to either answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Right. So you've got a you've got a, a movie to. to I choose. have yes. So my my wife has been complaining that we've chosen a lot of films recently that she thinks are rubbish and that she doesn't want to watch. <laughs> so <laughs> I asked her for her recommendation and she picked Clueless. So we're going to oh, go back to yes! the 90s again. Mate, I love that film. Spoiler uh, so alert. that's, that's I think, the third 90s film so that we've done. So that's quite. I think it's quite timely. Yeah. Right? We're covering all the time periods quite well. And I've seen it before, but I have no recollection of it, which is often the case with me. <laughs> um, so it'll be like seeing it anew. But yeah, something a bit, yeah, back to the classics. Not as off the wall as The Room, but still lots to still lots to unpack. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll um, be in your ears again next week talking about Clueless. In the meantime, hope you enjoyed this chat about The Room and go and watch it again. If you haven't yeah you totally already. should yeah go and watch it again if if you've not if even if you've just watched it go watch it that's your homework yeah, uh, yeah. we're setting you homework now <laughs> remember that each each of you dear listeners is my rose yeah every single one of you
If we, if you, if you tweet us and say that you want it, we'll give you, we'll sing "You Are My Rose" for you next week. So you know, if we get a hundred tweets, then we have to do it a hundred times. I'm totally on board with that. Yeah, that's our promotional promise. Yeah, that's our on this to you. free podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Do get in touch if you have anything to share. Um. We'll be back next week. Alrighty. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Bye. Oh, bye. (laughs) Bye bye. (laughs) Oh, that was a good one.